Hi, this is George Lynch from Lynch Mob, Dawkins, Souls of Lee, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Mark Torian, and you're listening right here to Iron City Rocks. Don't change that channel. Crank it as loud as you can, baby. Ow! Hi, this is Don Dawkins, and you're rocking on Iron City Rocks. episode 518 of the iron city rocks podcast i'm your host john coming to you from the iron city of pittsburgh pennsylvania bringing you the best rock hard rock heavy metal and blues talk on the net episode 518 we are pleased to be joined by two vocalists for a show that's going to be happening later this week at jurgles in warndale it's on november 8th we have joining us from the band dockin we have mr don dockin joining us again and from the bullet boys mark torian uh, making his first time on Iron City Rock, so it was great to have a chance to talk to him. That show, as I mentioned, Thursday or is Wednesday night at uh, Jurgles. That's November 8th. Tickets still available. Also on the bill that night, the band Turbo Lovers. Uh, great band there. So we're going to talk to Don Dawkin. We're going to play you a little bit of new music from Don Dawkin and the band Dawkin. They have a new album uh, out called Heaven Comes Down. We're going to play you a track called Fugitive. We'll get into the interview with Don Doc and then we'll catch up with Mark Torian in just a little bit.
Iron City Rocks we have on the line, Mr. Don Dawkin. How you doing, Don? I'm hanging in there. I'm a little hoarse today. I got a little laryngitis, but other than that, I'm doing good. That's a, it's a no problem at all. It sounds actually kind of cool. You've got um, only a few days now until the release of, of Heaven Comes Down. It's been a while. It's been a few minutes since the last record. Can you can you kind of talk about why this collection of songs is seeing the light of day now? Was it just had some time on your hands off the road during COVID? Or, um... COVID has something to do with it. I really thought after Broken Bones, we probably wouldn't make another record mm-hmm. because the music scene's changed. And, you know, you bust your ass, you write songs, you put it out on the internet. Next day, everybody's downloading them for free. Right. And that's kind of a drag. But then I just realized, you know, a couple of years went by and I just couldn't stop writing. You know, I get the universe would, I'd be playing my guitar and I, oh, that's a cool riff. That's a cool riff. And I'd email it to John and, yeah, I like that one. I like that riff. And I write some lyrics and it was a process, you know, I just kept writing and writing and writing. And I finally said, well, maybe we should just do one more record. And then COVID hit. COVID just shut us down, you know? So here we had two years to sit on our butts, which worked out good. You know, I, I, I talked to Chris McCarville, the bass player or John Levin or me, and we were all just like working on our houses and painting and fixing things up. And, you know, Gave us the time to mess with our properties and play with our dogs and right. have a, a normal life instead of living on a tour bus. Did you like it being home like that? Was it, I mean, this, I'm trying to think, I mean, you were a very young man, before, you know, when you, you started this life. Really young. I was really young and uh, that's why I moved out of LA. You know, I yeah. said, you know, it's time to move on. And I, found this trippy property that's got like uh 25 acres of trees and no neighbors i can't even i can look any direction around my property there's no houses i live up on a mountain we're at seven thousand eight hundred feet i'm way in the hell up here and i just decided to drop out and uh that's kind of how the song fugitive came because we finally had a gig here in new mexico where i live now in santa fe and when the band came to my house, he said, you weren't kidding. You really do live in the police. <laughs> my driveway is a mile long just to get here off the old Santa Fe trail. And that just, this was little things that people say, like, you really are a fugitive from life. And I went, yeah, that'd be a good title for a song. I wrote it down on a piece of paper, you know, and I, that's how it happened. The the song itself, Santa Fe, was the, I think the, when I went through the album, the song, you know, the, the, I don't want to say it stayed with me because it was the last album in sequence or the last song in the sequence, but really just incredibly autobiographical. Was, was that, have you ever put that much of yourself into, you know, that personal of a song out? You know, I, I know singers tend to put some fiction even into reality. Was this one pretty close to the bone? It's full blown reality. I didn't plan on doing that song. We usually, we had written like four burners. I call them burners, double bass, like tooth and nail, till the living in, like strikes again. You know, a lot of bands like to end the album with a bang, right? Mm -hmm. Heavy metal, double bass. And I was just sitting in the studio one day with my producer, Bill Palmer, and we were just talking. He's from Texas. And luckily I found him. He would actually come to Santa Fe and record the album. 
and work with me. And we were just talking one night and I guess he had the microphone on and he kept saying, how in the hell did you get from LA your whole life to Santa Fe, New Mexico? And I was just telling him my story. Mm-hmm. And then when I played it back later with my headphones, I started picking out lines. I was born in LA, never had a reason to live, cruising Sunset Boulevard, stay up all night with my friends. That's the truth. Yeah. And then the next line is I traveled around the world, you know, always missing home, finally realized maybe it's time to go. You know, the whole song is autobiographical and it was really easy to write. But then he goes, I said, how am I going to write my whole life story in a four minute song? It's kind of impossible. Yeah. But I pulled it off, I think. Yeah, quite well. I mean, it, it, I I love the fact that, you know, I mean, I think of, of songs like I remember the first time I heard Alone Again. And you think, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's obviously, you know, somebody who's missing somebody in that song. But this one, I think, almost spoke more to me. Of, you know, it, it seemed like a bigger window into you. Um, and, you know, that, that's got to be something that, that takes a lot to bear your soul like that. So it's it's. Yeah, it's very personal. And there's a couple of metaphoric lines, you know, I could have said, and I, so I hopped in my Chevy and got on route 66 and headed toward Mexico, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, I can be a little more intelligent about that. So I said, I got on my old horse yeah. with a bottle of whiskey to keep me company along the way. Cause I knew it takes some time to get to Santa Fe. Yeah. A little Metaphor. more artistic and yeah, it's got a little, it's a little it, more intelligent. Yeah, it, it's a little more visual. You get that kind of old west feel to it. Um, it is the know. old west here. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, um, Santa Fe, you know, is the oldest capital in the United States. Yeah, it is now. How long? How long have you been in Santa Fe now? How, how long ago did you? Four years. So four you, years. Moved, you moved right before the world went to heck in a handbasket. It's probably a good time to have a mile long driveway in in two thousand. 2020 i mean you know could not take it anymore and now when i go back to la to see my son or my daughter you know i kept my house in la for years even though mm-hmm. i moved up here and you know i had a beautiful house up in benedict canyon and beverly hills and i rented it out and, and then i realized i'm not a landlord you know the guys yeah. are calling 12 o'clock the toilet's plugged up and yeah. the roof leaking i'm like man i can't deal with this you know so i sold my estate there and uh you know, and then a lot of my neighbors started moving. Gene Simmons lived like six houses up from me. He moved mm-hmm. to like Bata and Paul Stanley and all these people. Everybody's just leaving L.A. because, as my daughter said, it's gone to hell in a handbasket, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's certainly got a a bit of your re- reputation now. Um, the album, you, you mentioned working with um, Bill Palmer. Uh, yeah. And... Um, producing but can you talk a little about how, how you came to work with kevin shirley to mix the album i'm sure he's not a guy that anyone can just call up and, and you know he's worked with so so many heavyweights in the industry uh, how do you get on kevin's schedule these days that is almost impossible again i always felt people asked me how i made it and i said well it's probably half talent and half luck mm-hmm. so the record was done and i happened to find bill palmer who's more of a country guy you know, he's more like mm-hmm. this country music. So you, you're living in Santa Fe. It's not like there's a hundred guitar, hundred studios. Sure. So I met, I met Bill and I called him up and, 
and I'm, and I had to find somebody that was willing to drive up my one mile driveway in the snow. <laughs> and I first thing I asked him, I said, "Do you have a four wheel drive, or you won't get here?" <laughs> so we started working. We hit it off. It's about magic. You have to like the person, you know. Yeah. So we got along great. He's a guitar player. He's a singer. And when the album was done, I'm thinking now I got I want to find somebody to mix this record, you know, and I want it to be heavy in your face, punchy. Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't want to work with Kevin Shirley? You know, yeah. the top guys. So it was kind of an accident because I still had my house in LA. And I said, oh, I think I'll call Kevin Shirley because he had a, a studio in Malibu called uh, Man Case. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, man, I could go to LA, stay at my house there, go to the studio. Maybe I can talk Kevin into doing the record. And then I heard the new Iron Maiden album, and I was like, oh, man, this album kicks ass. Yeah. So I called him, and I said, hey, you know. And he said, actually, I just finished Iron Maiden, and I wanted to take a break. I just bought a new house, and I'm getting ready to move in. I wanted to take some time off. But he said, but I always wanted to mix a docking record. I said, oh, great. Yeah. So I thought, this is perfect. You know, I can come to Malibu, I said. And then he goes, well, I don't live in Malibu anymore. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, no, I'm in Australia. And I went, yeah. you're kidding me, right? He goes, no, I'm in, I'm in Australia. I'm in Sydney or something. I went, well, that's going to be kind of hard to do. So I had place, yeah, I either get on a plane, go to Australia for a month. And every record I've ever done, I'm at the console. You know, I'm mm -hmm. the producer. I make the final decisions. But Kevin's Kevin. I trusted him. And it was kind of funny. Because of the time difference, you know, I had to keep my phone right next to me on my nightstand. And I had like a special ringer. And when that cannot, went off, I knew it was Kevin. And he called me, he goes, or he texted me, said, I just sent you a new mix of Gypsy. Okay. I'd have to get up, wake up, go in my studio, put the headphones on, listen to it and go, yeah, it sounds good, but maybe a little less reverb on the snare, a little more kick. I text him back 20 months later, being mix two. <laughs> yeah. headphones on get up i'm half asleep i better get some coffee in me and this went on for a month and at the end of the day we had like six five or six or seven mixes of each song and then i started getting lost yeah. i'm like i don't know which mix is the best one or not the best one because i wasn't in the studio with them so i'm like okay i see this song has a little more reverb this one's a little drier well, we got through it, man. Kevin kicked ass and, and kudos to Kevin. And we got through it, you know, and he did a great job. Yeah, that, that is is the mixing the part where you really take the biggest leap of faith. You know, when you when you pick in a producer, you even songwriting partners, sometimes, you know, at least you're in that process when mixing, you, you know, you're kind of given, you know, a, a virtually grown baby over to someone else to kind of take it that last step. Is that is that something that that's kind of difficult to to do to trust someone that much not when it's kevin shirley yeah point point taken yeah senjutsu it was hard you know, i've never done a record where i wasn't involved yeah i did the recording bill palmer did all the recording so we had everything great on tape already right but uh you know you take a leap of faith and the truth was when he did the first song and he emailed it to me and i didn't like it and I was like, uh, Kevin, I don't, I don't like this. And he goes, why? I said, well, you know, it sounds kind of old school. And he goes, 
well, I listened to a couple of Dawkins albums and I thought that's the sound you wanted, the classic Dawkins sound. And I said, no, it's the year 2022. It was a year ago when we finished it. Mm-hmm. I said, no, just make it sound like that Iron Maiden record, <laughs> you know? And he goes, oh, okay, I'll switch gears. I said, don't worry about what I did in the past. You know, yeah. just just do what you think is best for the song. I only want two things, loud, punchy, in your face. And then we had to find somebody to master it. Mm-hmm. And that was David Donnelly, who's a legendary mastering guy from Geffen Records, who did two Dawkins records in the 80s. So I called David and I said, do you want to, you know, master the record? And he goes, yeah, I know your sound. I Same thing. Just make it loud. Make it punchy. So when, when you master this, do they master it differently? Obviously, you're back to producing vinyl again, I mean, which has got to right. be kind of a fun thing for you. Is it mastered specifically for vinyl and mastered specifically for the, the digital, you know, streaming's yes. got to be, you know, compressed the living hell out of it. Yeah. Um, so that's more involved than it used to be. Probably. Vinyl is the hardest because a lot of the bands in the nineties, I thought they were putting more and more low end because mm-hmm. the hip hop, the tons of bass, mm-hmm. you know, the shake in the speaker. Everybody wants it boomy and bassy. And I don't like that. And the other problem is when you do it on vinyl, if you put too much, I'm going to get too technical, but if you put too much low end, like I say, below like 70 hertz, well, if you got a cheap turntable, the, the needle starts jumping around Yeah, because there's too much vibration on the low end. So David had to do master for the CD and he had to master it for the record. He had to make it twice. And that was real. that was, that was tough. You don't want to take all the bass out. You want yeah. to have some bottom end, but if you put too much, the needle's jumping around. So yeah. that that was tricky. Which version do you prefer? Like, if you you were to sit down, do you do you like the vinyl version better, or do you prefer the, the CD still? Honestly, I haven't heard the vinyl record. They just mailed it to me, and I uh, and I and I don't have a turntable. <laughs> I've got to go buy one. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny you mentioned that because you see those little like briefcase looking record players that I'm sure they've sold millions of them and, and helped really usher in a new wave of vinyl. But you're right. If you turn it up too loud, the, the, they skip, you know, cause the, the arm of the record player is just cheap plastic. And you know, the, the speaker is right below the, the platter. So it just skips. So it's, it's a good call out that he, uh, he knew, but then again, yeah. the technology, you know, I mean, I, I, I saw an article about that, Vinyl records made a comeback during COVID and sold more than CDs during COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like came back in fashion vinyl. Yeah. But if you want to buy a really good record player, like my father was a jazz musician. He had all these great records mm-hmm. and he had like this turntable that cost like a thousand dollars, you know? Yeah. You know, if you buy the cheap turntable, you can't turn it up real loud yeah. unless you take all the bass off. Yeah, that the song. The song starts sounding like vanilla. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think a lot of people just almost more so not even for the sound, but the tactile experience of having you know product again. You know, you have to have it. A, you have to be a pro. And yeah. I didn't even know David Donnelly was still in the business because mm-hmm. worked to Geffen Record. He was their in-house mastering guy. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, you know, that was 1989 or 90. I just hunted him down. 
DNA, it's called. And he's like, yeah, I'm still mastering records. I went, well, you know, Doc, and you know, I want my vocals in front, not too buried. I want some bottom end, but you got to tighten it up a little bit so the needle doesn't jump around. And so we did the CD first and, uh, and I told him I didn't want to compress the CD, you know, you know let's try not to compress it because mm-hmm. it kind of squishes the song and it doesn't breathe, you know, it doesn't get loud or softer. It's just linear. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's all linear. And I go, I don't like that. Just, just master it as if how we made the record. And he did. So I got lucky with Kevin Shirley. I got lucky with David Donnelly. I mean, Kevin had just finished Iron Maiden. And uh, he was right in the middle of buying a new house and moving in. And But he said, and he was booked like a year in advance. And yeah. he goes, I have like a three-week window and I'll do your record. So that's the universe just Yes, smiling on you there. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, you look at, I imagine just uh, Joe Bonamassa's team keeps Kevin busy probably 11 months out of the year between uh, his live albums, his studio albums, the Black Country Communion, throwing Iron Maiden. You know, I don't know how Kevin has time to do much. So, you know, he invented basically Black Country Communion with Glenn Hughes and everybody. I mean, he basically put that band together. Yeah and got guitar player and he had Jason Bonham and, and of course uh, I know uh, Glenn Hughes really well, known him forever, mm-hmm. still a great singer. Amen. And Amen. that guitar and the guitar player. I mean, look at, I mean, he's in his 70 and he still sounds like he did when he did the burnout in deep purple 45 years ago. Yeah. So we're just blessed, you know, to have a great voice that lasts forever. Yeah. And, and then he got, then he had, uh, What's the guitar player's name? I can't remember. Uh, Joe, Joe Bonamassa. Oh, God, Joe Bonamassa. So, yeah, it was a super group. Yeah, in every sense of the word. Yeah, it was. It, it, but it was it was a knowing the pieces of that puzzle to put together, because, you know, you, you could have put one wrong musician in there and maybe it'd been a train wreck, you know. I'm yeah, sure I feel he, bad that Joe Bonamassa left because he is an awesome guitar player. Yeah. But. You know, I think there was, like Doc, and some internal problems. I think Glenn misspoke in an interview, and he said, "Yeah, I wrote all the songs, and I wrote all the lyrics." And I wrote, well, that's not true. I think I think Joe Benamasa was very involved, and I don't think Joe appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Glenn said, "I wrote everything. I did everything," and Joe's like, uh, "No, you didn't." So he yeah. left, and as you know. I, I bought the DVD of Joe playing in like Ireland or something. And man, he was just awesome. Yeah. He has a amazing, great career. Amazing musician. Yeah, he sure is. Don, um, on the this current run, you're going to be coming in uh, on the 8th of November mm-hmm. to do a show here in Warndale, uh, playing with the Bullet Boys. Um, getting a chance to get some of this new material into the set, I realize, you know, in order to do that, you've got to take out somebody's favorite Dawkins song, which is not an easy thing i'm sure to do but um does do you have room in the set for some of these yet until two nights ago we delivered this record a year ago mm-hmm. it's like being in labor for a year we're dying to play the new songs then we finally put out fugitive you know mm-hmm. the video which has had over six hundred and fifty thousand views which is amazing then we put out gypsy the animated uh cartoon mm-hmm. Gypsy just explained the story because we knew 
I can't explain the story of Gypsy. Filming it would cost a fortune. Sure. So we got a great girl in Poland named Natalia, and she hand drew this cool animated kind of a cartoon. And But the record company a year ago said, we don't want you playing any of the new songs. We don't want you talking about them. We don't want you playing them. And I went, got to be kidding me, man. I'm dying to play these songs live. Yeah. But I got it. If we go and play new songs, somebody with iPhone. Yep. They're on YouTube the next morning. But it it sounds like crap. Mm -hmm. It's all distorted. And people would have said, oh, that's a new talking album. New song. And it sounds like shit. People don't realize it's a, a guy in the nosebleed section with an iPhone, you know? Yeah. So they asked us not to play any new songs. All right. We won't play any new songs. So as of two nights ago, we did two shows back to back in uh, Green Bay and then Aurora, Illinois. We filmed four videos live in concert. And we're now we have to start editing. It's going to take months. You know, we had to do every song five times, you know, close up, left, yeah. right, cranes so now we can play the new songs because the album will be out we're off for 10 days yeah now we can start playing them but here's the dilemma you only play an hour and a half what do i do do i take out the fire do i take out alone again do i take out the hunter or it's not love or lucky or paris or so we we're you know, now I just got home yesterday and I told the boys, you know, you guys got to listen to the record. And we have, we have to ditch one of our hits, which is a great problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's so many. We had a lot of hits. It's not an easy decision, though. What would you take out? You know, OK, yeah. well, we'll do a new song. And the fans don't know these new songs yet because they haven't bought the record. Right. So we're playing a song during our show and they're like, what's this? They don't know it. They want to hear into the fire. Hey, we're still yeah. doing breaking the chains. I wrote it 45 years ago. Yeah. And what? When we play breaking the chains, everyone's singing. Yeah. They stood the test of time. I wrote that song in 1981. Yeah, that's that's a certainly it's a, it's a good problem to have, you know, to have so much material that you don't have room. You know, there's probably a lot of contemporary bands that could use some new material in their set uh, to fill I it. Think, so. I have noticed a lot of bands that warm up for us had their one or two hits. Mm-hmm. And I watch their show and I'm and honestly and I know the band, and I know the hit, mm-hmm. but I'm like those other seven songs, I'm like. I don't know these songs. Yeah. They're just, as I call filler on their records. Yeah. And that was my dilemma on heaven comes down. I'm like, I know we're trying to do the impossible, but we're going to try to write every song to be different, not repetitive. And they all got to be a list. That was a really hard task for me as a producer and a writer. Yeah. Yeah. But COVID COVID kind of helped us. You gave you the time, unfortunately. I mean, yeah. fortunately and fortunately, I should say. Um, you know, it's good to make the most of that time, even though it was probably devastating for you, you know, your way of life. But, you know, it gave you time to do some things you wouldn't have had time to otherwise. No, we couldn't tour. 
you know, they say, well, you can tour, but you can only play for a couple hundred people. I go, well, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, except Florida. We got to do Florida right at the height of COVID because the governor said, I'm not going to put a mask mandate. I'm not closing my restaurants down. I'm not killing Florida's economy. So we went down yeah. there and played a concert. We had like 25,000 people. And I was like, this is what we're used to doing. Yeah. So it is what it is. And now it's making a comeback, COVID. Yeah. The, the mutated version. So, yeah, it's a bad thing. People died. and But it gave us, all of us, to write, 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 write. And we wrote like 30 songs. Yeah. Narrowed it down to actually 14. And the record company wanted to take four of the songs off the record. And I was really against it totally against it and i said no 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 he's got to go on the record and they said no you can't because you're putting it out on vinyl yeah so if you have you can only fit 10 songs five aside so if you put out the vinyl and then you put out the cd with 15 songs i'm in competition with my vinyl <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's exactly and if you go to double vinyl the price is like you know substantially oh, yeah. higher dollars you know yeah it's it's a so it's like some old problems you you thought were past you. You know, you figured you know as a musician now you can you've got seventy four minutes worth of, of time to fill on a CD, and then everybody had to go back to vinyl and, um, you know, they didn't have to. But you know, last year Warner Brothers, well, it's only been about a year. They put out a Doc and Best of box set. Yeah, four albums, CD, vinyl. I got the box. They put out Breaking the Chains, Tooth and Nail, Under Lock and Key, Back the Attack. And I don't remember Under Lock and Key or whatever. So that was cool, you know, to put our whole top of our game hits yeah. from the 80s on vinyl. So I'm proud of that record from uh, Warner Brothers, Rhino. But yeah, it's it's a good problem to have when you say, well, every song in our set is a hit. What are we going to get rid of? Yeah. Well, I, I wish you luck in that determination. I guess we'll, we'll uh, let that be of a bit of surprise when you get here. And it's just a little over two weeks. Don, um, as I mentioned, you're going to be doing a show with the Bullet Boys, uh, with Mark and company. So we yeah. look forward. Uh, it's going to be a packed house, I'm sure. It, it uh, jurgles. And can't wait to see you when you get here, man. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. It's a smaller venue. We'll be off for 10 days. It's going to be kind of our warm-up show. And we're going to experiment about what new songs, what hits. Jurgles will be kind of an experiment until we go to the next gig, which is a much bigger venue. Yeah. And just see, you know, what songs on the new record resonate with the fans. That's mm -hmm. the big experiment. Yeah. Well, Don, thank you so much. And we will see you on the 8th, man. Can't wait. Iron Maiden Return The Future Pass Tour 2024 PPG Paints Arena Friday, November 8th, 2024 Featuring songs from their latest chart-topping album Senjutsu And the classic Somewhere in Time Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com Don't miss the thrilling spectacle of Iron Maiden Live all right, a big thank you to Don Doc. And again, the new album, Heaven Comes Down, is available right now on Silver Lining Music. If you're coming out to the show, I'd give it a listen. Uh, I'm sure you can get it on any of the streaming services or get the physical media, as Don mentioned. 
going to be available on vinyl as well. So give that a listen before you come out to the show. Next, we're going to be joined by Mr. Mark Torian. This is the first time I've had an opportunity to speak to Mark uh, for the show. Talked to him on the phone many, many years ago, uh, but didn't have an opportunity to do an interview. So it was great to have a chance to finally sit down with the man behind the Bullet Boys, talk to him about uh, what he's got going on with the band, including new music on the way. So it was really a great opportunity, uh, an amazing personality, uh, just full of energy, full of life. So it was awesome to catch up with Mark. So we're going to play a little classic Bullet Boys, get into that. Yeah. I'm selling pleasure. 
out there tonight, I gotta tell you, man, you kick some serious shit. You're looking uh, good. Yeah. Looking real good. You people are looking fucking great out there, man. Give yourselves a hand. Joining us on the line, we have Mark the Bullet Boys. How you doing today, Mark? Good, brother. How are you today? Fantastic. You are coming in back into Pittsburgh on the 8th of November with uh, Don Dawkin and the gang yes, of, of Dawkin to do a show at Juggles. Wanted to yes. kind of check in and uh, we haven't, I don't believe you and I have had a chance to speak before. So it was a great opportunity and a great reason to get you on the show. Talk about all things you got going on. Um, I, I noticed from set lists, I've seen you, you do recently, you guys have a really nice mix of of kind of the first two albums, which I think everyone kind of expects slash demands, but you you really sprinkle in songs from Ten Cent Billionaire, uh, even up to the latest album. Is that yes, sir. is that kind of fun for you to be able to 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 play something more than just the first record? You know, with the, your sort of the greatest hits. Well, no, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I, I greatly appreciate it. Hello to everybody out there. Um, to, in, in answer to your question, you know. This band's very blessed that um, our fans really have gravitated to the records other than the first, second, and third record. Mm -hmm. And uh, they really know these songs uh, from Ten Cent Billionaire, uh, from Out of the Skies, uh, you know, um, Elefante, uh, the records that we put out. And it's very magical to see that, you know, it, we, it, you know we, we still talk about it in the band. It's like, hey, man, did you see people sit, you know, we're doing uh, uh, bringing home the gun mm. uh, and people, every word they're singing. I mean, symphony, every word they're singing, whatever. So, and so that's, you know, it, it's such a blessing when you can move people with music other than your debut albums and what have you. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, everybody knows that there's uh, a few bands out there that still do it, but bullet boys, we bring the party. And that's what it's all yeah. about. Yeah. We bring that party. We want to put people's minds in another place than what what's happening in this crazy world right now. And to bring, uh, you know, bring a situation to the venue where people aren't worried about what they're dealing with in their just normal lives. But yeah. let's have a party. You know, we don't we don't have the big lights and and big pyrotechnics and everything else. We're definitely not Kiss, but we managed to do our thing and. Uh, you know, we're just, we're just real. And um, uh, ego is not our amigo. And we get out there and throw it down punk and roll style. And we're just very, very fortunate and very blessed that our fans and new fans have been coming out and just packing our shows and selling them out. And um, it's just such a blessing. So in answer to your question, yes, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You so you, you, you're, taking fun with you and that's the way to go yeah I, I was just talking to don Dawkins about this you know they just dropped an album today yes. and how, how difficult it is to kind of you know what do you take out of the set to put in you know the fugitive their latest single or, or whatever you know that's kind of a it's a great problem to have but um you know as a musician i'm sure you know it's exciting for you to not play the same 12 songs every night you know it's got to you know it, no, you, there's obviously yeah. songs that you know the audience is going to pop for you you know you start up thc groove and people are going to you know lose their mind but Absolutely. you know it's as a musician it's got to be fun to, to play a symphony or, or you know something like that oh um, yes you know we play symphony every night and uh it's just a uh it's an emotional song and um it really uh 
brings people an uplifting feeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I dedicate the song a lot of times, um, uh, to my friend Taylor Hawkins, who passed away. Mm -hmm. May you rest in paradise. Um, he loves symphony and we would always talk about him coming up and playing the songs <laughs> you know, all yeah. the time. I got to get up there and play dude. Next time I'm getting up and playing symphony, you know, that's okay, bro. Let's do this. You know? So I always dedicate that song. I try to a lot of times and it makes me a lot really emotional because of the, the lyrical content. And, um, uh, basically, you know, it, it's that songs for all the underdogs out there in the sure. world. You know? Yeah. It's, um, it's it certainly, you know, the story you just told there that you, you can't, ever pass up that opportunity to do things you know and i think we're all learning yeah. that you know just with covid uh you know and as we all get unfortunately get older which is you know how life goes you don't want to you know miss opportunities to to take those chances and, and do those fun yeah. things i take the sammy hagar approach as far as getting a old yeah. you don't get OLD. you don't get old <laughs> yeah you're only as old as it is up in here so uh, yeah. Thank God for, and I love Sammy so much. I take the Sammy Hagar approach with things. So uh, yeah. everybody always tells me, dude, are you a vampire? Like you don't age. You look great. Oh my God. What are you doing? How do you, you know, how do you stay like that? I said, well, I've been very, very fortunate and blessed that, you know, it's almost 28 years of sobriety a little mm -hmm. over that. And um, I think it really is a, a call of, that I can still sing and perform um, at a, at a high level for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. I really haven't really lost anything. I think I've gained a lot more in knowledge and uh, performances and my performances uh, and the band's performances are all out on stage. Uh, it's a um, uh, physical situation. There's no uh, looking at watches and boots on stage for us. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just a constant thing. There's, there's choreography, there's this, there's that, you know, there's, it's a show. You know, yeah. so I got I got to stay in really good shape to be out there and do it. I I can't just stand there, it, you know. And I see some artists, excuse me, that you know, and bless their heart, they go up there, they do their thing. But I'm I'm still very old school from the James Brown school, Motown school. You get up there and perform, and you put on a show. Yeah, I rem I'm trying to remember when I first caught your band. I think it might have been a tour you guys did with um, Cinderella and Winger. Uh, oh yes, you, you played a yeah, yeah. You were you did a a show. You were I'm trying to remember. There may have even been a fourth band, but just the energy that that you guys put off and, and the tightness of the band, um, the musicianship, and and you haven't the needle hasn't slowed down since, which is, no, is that's that's impressive. Are, are you still writing like new music, or is it a situation now where with the music industry, it's fiscally not? doesn't make sense you know, to release new I, music you know I, i'd like to stop you there first of all because mm -hmm. and and no, no disrespect to you but uh um, sure. i don't think in negatives and i don't think in um how and doomsday prophecies for the, the music business or mm -hmm. music uh i believe that uh new music from a band like us uh irregardless of what time or what we came out what we came out is um it's extremely relative. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. New music is the lifeblood of a band and a musician. And if you're not putting out new music and you're not taking the time to really work on your music to put out, you can't live off your old laurels. It's just right. not something uh, some do, but I just can't. I have to put out new music. It's it's in my blood uh, going. If we're going to jump into it, we have close to over 38 songs 
uh, for a double album that we're hopefully that we're going to be releasing next year. Uh, on in our camp, uh, we're, I'm extremely excited and blessed because uh, my mentor, Carrie Ashby Gordy Jr., who signed me to Motown, is back working with the with the Bullet Boys as our executive producer for the album that we're going to be dropping next year. Uh, it's just an amazing experience, of course. Uh, Carrie is Barry Gordy's son. Carrie is mm -hmm. the, uh, um, the chairman of the board of Motown Records now. And this experience and the love and the light that he's brought in that we have, but has uh, exponentially raised the bar uh, as far as new music and what we're doing. We're going to just surprise a lot of people when we release our new album because uh, this album is not something that you're going to want to just, okay, that sounds great. Okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. You're going to really want to listen to this whole album. And, and a lot of people don't, but we're really concentrating on the songs and making sure that the songs have longevity. That's the key to success is having longevity with your music and touching, touching people's hearts. That's a very big thing for us um, as far as musically is concerned. I am a person that wants to touch people's hearts, wants them to be uh, blown away, and wants them to be able to sing the song. Now, let me go over that again. Singing the song. There's a lot of people out there right, right. now where you can't sing the song. I mean, it's yeah. just like it is not memorable. Um, yeah, as far as I'm sorry, Mall, come here. Hold on, Mall, sure. again, come here. I'm so sorry, buddy. It's my no, dog. He's that's barking. okay. I love the name crazy. Mulligan. That's great. Yeah, Mulligan. He's the best. That's my guy. But he has to go in and, and have some breakfast right now. No, I understand. <laughs> but um, going back to that, it's just. Um, it's very important for us and uh, for our fans and people are really, really excited about what we're doing. Uh, we're working diligently, myself, Ira, uh, Fred and Brad, you know, who let's go into those guys. The essence of the bullet boys when we first started is definitely with us. The four of us, we laugh, we have a great time. Uh, there's no egos in this band. Uh, we're very a punk rock in this band. There's no, there's none of that. So we're always, uh, how would you say pushing for uh, for new music and doing new things, constantly listening to the stuff that we're recording, and and it that's it. There's no um, for me. There's no downside to it. Like oh well, oh woe is me. Oh I don't know. I hope and uh, H O P E is not in in my vocabulary. Uh, there's what I say is we we are going to make it happen. We are going to do that and manifesting positivity towards new music uh, to be released next year from this little band called the Bullet Boys out of SoCal, Cal, out of SoCal, LA. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you you hit it on the head there when you said it was in your blood as a musician, and you see that a lot of um, you know musicians that that I I think there are, there are people out there God and I think so it's a wonderful thing that would make a new record if they were the only person that heard it. It's just in your DNA, you create, you know, it's like a painter, you paint, you know, yes. you don't just, you know, you can sell some prints. Some don't though. Some yeah. don't have that in them. Some, you know, people and, and no disrespect to that, but they want to live off their old laurels. Mm -hmm. uh, I refuse to look in the rear of your mirror. I look in front constantly. 
Uh, and that's what I was taught when I was signed with Motown. So it's a been, been a full circle for me uh, as far as getting back and uh, having the ability to work with Carrie and uh, his mindset on hit records and smashes is a very it's 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 a work progress it, it's a lot of hard work to come up with something but we're working diligently to have something out there that is heard by the whole world and not just a certain genre yeah. uh and you know it, it you're, you know motown's uh credo is always you're one hit away they're hits yeah you're one hit away from resurging your career and yeah. the the other artists that aren't in our neck of the woods, as I would say, uh, that are in the upper echelons of, of artists, that's the way they think. They don't, you know, we, they don't listen to people or trends or whatever. They mm -hmm. put out their music and they put it out and they push it. And, you know, and they, they work extremely hard at it. The Bruno Mars of the word world. Yeah. Uh, t um, Taylor Swift, who's having an amazing ascension in her career, having to go and redo her albums and everything. Now, if anybody thinks that's easy work, that's not no, easy work. No, no. So when we're in the studio, we're not just sitting in there and, oh, well, that sounds really good. So it's the old Motown work ethic. You put the song together, you take it apart. You put it back, you put it back together, you take it apart. And then when you really think you have it, you take it apart again and then put it back together. Yeah. Then you got to smash. So it's, it's work. And it's something and you're doing it also for yourself because you have to like it first before anybody, fans, friends and family can like it. So definitely um, I don't have any feelings of, uh, of drudgery uh, when it comes to new music. Um, and I say this every night on stage. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for all y'all out there because we got to pass this music down and we can't let this this type of rock and roll you know let it go you know we got to yeah. pass it on to the younger generation and uh if it's going to be passed down to the younger generation it better be damn good and it better be rad and it better be groovy and just magical otherwise what's the point you know yeah it, it is fun you know you see a lot of people bringing their kids to shows rock shows and and, and you know people love it you know it's an experience you don't necessarily get when you know you're you're listening to Spotify or, you know, some of these artists, yeah, you know, the, the live, live experience. Music. Yeah. Live music is live music. And, you know, I, I don't care what form it is in, or, you know, there's this big thing of the, there's always this argument of playing tapes and playing, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't have any issues with that. Live music is live music. If you have the guts and the glory to come out and perform, come out and do your thing. Yeah. You know, I just happen to be from the straight, you know, old school yeah we don't use any computers there's nothing there's real vocals real performances uh mistakes and all and that's the problem you know here i shouldn't say the problem here lies the issue rock and roll is supposed to be imperfect sure. when it becomes perfect it's not rock and roll anymore so yeah, it's... that's you know that's the truth and, and if people want to argue that that that's fine but that's where i'm coming from definitely no, I, I hear you. I, I think about that with a band like the Ramones. You know, you had an oh, al you had albums that were stop so it. good, but you ah. see them live, and it was like ah, and yes. it was you know an assault. The speed, yes, the mistakes, the the yes, that was what made it so good. 
you know, that's what uh, made that's what made Ed Van Halen the greatest guitar player ever. Yeah, is because when he wrote, um, and of course, a shout out to Ted Templeman, uh, our producer mm -hmm. that I was very very pr privileged to work with. He taught us that. I mean, mistakes are good. Yeah, you know, little because they're you can't get that back, and that creates um, uh, that it's unique. And that's why those bands, Zeppelin, Van Halen, ACDC, The Stones, you know, there's mistakes in all these songs. And that's what gives it that human element. And that's really important, I think, especially now. Yeah. And, and that's, I imagine that's not an easy thing to sell to a record label at this point, though, you know, because everything is so, you know, you Pro Tools and metronomes and, um, you know, but you can feel it. You, if you try to play black and black with a drum machine versus a human, it, it's a exactly. very, very different feeling. Yeah, uh, and you know, we're we're losing that in in the music business. And um, yeah, I would challenge people not to use click tracks. I would challenge people to maybe, uh, you know, not worry about uh, you know auto tuning and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Let it go. Let it let it be what it is. Let it breathe. Let the music breathe. There has to be a human element. You know. Myself and the band, we're, you know, we're traveling. We played a beautiful show with, with uh, shout out to Don Dawkins too, and the, the fellas and Dawkins. We had a wonderful time with them. They're just amazing and fun, fun guys. Um, we're listening to the actual top 40 in our country right now, rock sure. bands. Mm -hmm. And the one defining thing about all these songs was all the mixes were the same. They were very... I hate to use this word, but just very mundane. Um, there wasn't anything that really jumped out at you, you know, like, wow, what a great, what a great mix. What this is, feels really natural. Everything sounds the same. It's, you know, I, I can't, I don't want to use another band's name to, to express what it sounds like to me, but right. uh, I don't, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say this in a negative way. I'm just saying in my own opinion, everything's very, just straight across there's no there's no ebbs and flows there's no breakdowns there's no nothing like that uh in popular the popular rock music that i heard everything's okay here it is from the beginning here it is from the end <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You know? it's almost like a template to, to building yeah. some of this stuff that's what we're not doing yeah on this album we are not doing this that there is um I'm taking the time to layer things, to put on proper backgrounds and and uh, uh, vocal pads and um, things that, you know, we're not really relying on click tracks. We're giving this a natural feeling. And like we did our, our first records at Warner Brothers and how a lot of people did their albums. Um, and I really feel that it had to go back to that. So I'm really, really excited about it. And it, it is a lot. It is a lot difficult now. There's a lot of one takes on this album also, too. Um, I sang a lot of things in one take because it just sounded sounded great. And yeah. there was no use of going in and fixing it, which gave it that natural sound. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. I just, I, I want to hear mu more music from bands of our genre that you can sing. And that, that that's catchy. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, all. I, yeah, you know, I, I miss Van Halen. I miss the catchiness and the brilliance uh alex and edward and and david and uh michael and uh, the fact that ed was always able to they were always able to write a catchy uplifting chorus yeah I haven't, really, 
I haven't heard that lately. So all y'all that are watching this or whatever, there's going to be some catchy things on this album that's going to make you sing and go, damn it. Why am I singing that stupid Bullet Boy song? <laughs> you know that that's a that's a great that's a great problem to have if you've got people who can't get your song out. You know it's yeah, it's that's it's funny, about, right? I mean, you know, come it, on. In popular music today, to to your point, I, I honestly think you probably catch more people walking around singing that godforsaken Burger King commercial because the melody is so catchy. You know, yes, it, it just sticks in your head. But like, why can't someone take that effort and put that into a song? Yeah, you know, you know what, you know what's really not to cut you off, but you know what's really catchy when I really I get into a really good mood when I'm watching TV, the Spectrum One song, Spectrum yeah. One. Yeah, you gotta know you have it, a special one. I said, oh shit, turn that up. Yeah. <laughs> I get all happy and crank it up, and I'm going, well, why do I like the song? It's got a hook. Yep. I mean, there's a hook. I mean, there's a really easy, simple melody, and you can sing that, you know? So Madison and, Avenue realizes a hook's a good idea, but somehow the record industry doesn't care. You know, that's well, it I don't think it's I don't think it's the record industry does doesn't care. I don't think I think it's the musicians that don't care. Yeah. Huh? I, I had I it has nothing to do with the industry. The industry is the industry, the artist is the artist, and the artist can make people care. Yeah. And make people think and listen and sing, not the mute, not the record labels. That that that's just that's business. The yeah. artists can do that, and it's up to the artist to write stuff that you can sing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, you talk about that. I think of popular music, and we come back to Taylor Swift. I think you know, there's Ooh. somebody who writes hooks. You know, I I was in yes. a stadium this summer with thank you sixty some thousand people just thank screaming you. "Cruel Summer." You know, yes, they get it. And it, it's simplistic and it's, it's, you know, it, and it has to be because people can uh, um, gravitate to it. They can hum mm -hmm. it. They can yeah. sing it. So, you know, why do you think all the hugest Motown singles and songs throughout Motown's history, simple songs, yeah, people can sing it. Yeah. It, it, and it always, it really goes back to that. And uh, I think that's why country music is having, a lot of success because you're able to sing a lot of those songs. Yeah, you know? you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You listen to you know modern country and, and you, you know guys are, are are writing the the hooks that used yes, to be sir. in the rock and roll. Um, yes, so it's we're getting back to that. But Bullet Boys is going to put an album all about that, where you're just going to sing every song and you're just going to be like, wow, man, or you're going to be like, I can't stand this. I <laughs> I've got this song in my head. I, I, who is it from? Oh, those stupid bullet boys. God, I got to get rid of this. Ah. <laughs> I'll take so, it. God Sign. willing, we have that problem, you know. Sign me up, Mark. Well, I want to thank you so <laughs> much, man. It, oh. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you again. You're in on the 8th to do a song with uh, another great songwriter, Don Dawkin, uh, in company that night. So we look forward to see you in just over a week now, man. Yes, and we're ecstatic about coming out there. And thank you for having me. I want to throw out a shout out to Don Dawkin. I love you, Don. And it's been great playing shows. Congratulations on your new release of your album. It sounds fantastic. Already going to thank you to Mark Torian of the Bullet Boys, Don Dawkin, obviously, of Dawkin. They will both be in Pittsburgh on November 8th to do a show at Jurgles with Turbo Lover and Support. Uh, you can get tickets for those at Jurgles' website, Drusky Entertainment's website. Get them at the door. 
uh, if they're still available, I'd recommend you buy them before you head out because it's going to pack that place, I am sure. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. Check out all the other episodes. You drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. We are on all the social medias as Iron City Rocks, so we invite you to follow us. We've got ticket giveaways, concert announcements, more interviews, you name it. So appreciate all the support out there, and until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. Mm-hmm.